0: Welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we are going to go to the Cheetah Lounge to go watch some strippers, uh, like a stripper pole, I guess. I don't know. Uh, We're then going to head over to Goddess to go see some fancy schmancy titties i guess maybe uh but then we're also going to you know go visit our friend in the hospital um and give her a plushie because that fixes all um wounds doesn't it but anyway uh regardless of all that though today we're going to be covering 1995's showgirls now you know, I, it's not like I know my following or anything or the people who listen, but I'm sure you were wondering, hey, when's this like Mo gonna like do this movie about showgirls? And, you know, I wanted to do it uh, from the beginning, you know, of course, it's a cult classic. But I needed to have some good people to be able to talk about it. And uh, specifically, I was asked by uh, someone in particular to actually come and have them on the show for this. So I wanted to wait for that time. And we now have that right now. So, you have heard him on a previous podcast uh, on this show where we covered Heathers from 1989, um, and he's brought a little uh, guest with him, too. Uh, so, they are soon to be married later this year. They're both Disney gays who work for that mouse, uh, and they're both coming on the show today to talk about this wonderful movie. Please welcome back to the show, brought Donovan Marcotte and his boyfriend, fiance whatever brian kinder hey guys Hello. how are you doing today
1: hi yeah, doing well i'm wonderful feeling ready i've had my chips my revenge now are on we you are didn't ready. have your
0: doggy chow or anything
1: no, I I used to love doggy chow. Yeah. Used to love doggy chow. I used to love doggy chow. I have my brown to love rice doggy. and vegetables.
0: Okay, yeah. We have brown rice and vegetables on the way for mm-hmm. dinner. So, oh my god, you guys are so good. But anyway, it's fine. <laughs> uh, but so I I will say so, uh, Donovan. It's fun to see you back here. Love it. Great um, to be and. Back. It's always nice to meet another person as well. So, hello, Brian. Now, I was told by this gentleman right here that um, it wasn't Donovan who wanted to do this. It was specifically the husband who wanted to. Yeah. And so, but, um, and I was like, of course, you can come on it. Of course. Now, I will say, so, I want to talk a little bit about your guys' history with this movie because there's a lot to it um in regards to how this movie came to be and we'll talk about all that but i want to hear kind of uh either i guess separately like what is your history with this movie when did you first see it what is it about it that just is fascinating to you and would make you want to come on a show to talk about it and then i guess i'll talk a little bit about my history with it because it's a little bit of a newer history if anything but yes either one of you can start uh but yeah tell me about that
2: yeah, I well, First of all, I remember the VH1 edit back in the day, always being on TV with like the Microsoft art style oh God, like yes. bikini tops that were just like painted on. But I never paid it much attention until I started dating Brian. And Brian was the one who really showed me his love for showgirls. And it's quickly become one of our favorite movies. Um, I mean, I'll let Brian get into it, but like we put this movie on regularly. It is a regular rotation in our house. But Brian, tell us about your love for Showgirls.
1: Yeah, my history with Showgirls also started on the VH1 edit. I think it's one of those seminal gay experiences. I was one of the early adopters of RuPaul's Drag Race back when it was on Logo. And Logo used to always screen the advertisements for the other channels, like VH1, watch Showgirls. And that's where I first saw it. And I'm like, what is this movie? Why is there Microsoft Paint clothing on everything? And what is this ridiculous story? So, again, I kind of lost touch with it until the mid-2010s, 2015, 2016, and then refound it, fell in love with this movie and just how serious it is and i feel like whenever i describe my personality i use two movies one is showgirls and one is jurassic park and that's all you need to know about me as a person and it has quickly become one of my favorite movies to show friends and
2: have that experience of watching it for the first time because it's a trip so brian's brian's biggest kink is getting off on watching people watch showgirls for the first time. I swear to God, like <laughs> he he has popped so many showgirls cherries in this house where he will just have people come over. We sit on the couch, we watch showgirls and he just watches them watch it for the first time. And um, it's kind of adorable.
1: It's very fun because you never know how someone is going to react as soon as the opening scene happens. And you see that first tongue flick and the dialogue starts and people don't know what they're in for until that scene and it always makes me smile mm-hmm.
2: different places
1: <laughs> i will never oh my eat god. The guys ever the same with with that uh aggressive
2: ketchup that just yes spurts out the bottle oh my god mm-hmm. so good and her, thank like, you for being who go ahead i was going to say i think we're getting ahead but like when right. she is pounding on the car and then she throws up and then she yes. like has a lesbianic moment with molly
0: right and she has to be pulled out of the street because she doesn't know where she is half (laughs) i don't know know, man um we'll dive into
2: all
1: the nitty details oh
0: really seriously uh thanks for being so vulnerable and um you know listen you guys are gonna be married and i don't judge anybody but you know you do whatever you need to do (laughs) with uh uh taking people's showgirl virginity i'm sure oh god it's mm. Anyway, yeah, I'll get into all that. But my history with this movie, it was tangentially something I think I knew of because the only thing I knew about this movie was that it had the chick from Saved by the Bell and apparently it ruined her career that's kind of the only thing i knew about it really i was like oh it's that movie where there's like a bunch of naked people right like that's what it is right that was like my understanding of it because i think i'm like i think we're similarly aged i might be a little like a year older than maybe you guys uh or so so like but again similarly aged so we all came up in the 90s 2000s that's when we were like teenagers in the mid 2000s probably like me but anyway so like but recently the way i'd seen it was it was on good old tubi tubi's that girl forever and i was just like well it's on tubi so it's free why not watch it with the ads let's do it and because tubi is you know uh not vh1 uh it was in all its wonderful glory uh unedited and everything like that and when i watched it i was just like glued to the screen i was just like what is this what even and it's the only and it's the first version verhoven i'd watched it was the first one because now i I have seen starship troopers because i covered it on the show and i love that movie that's a great movie but uh this movie was i think my first verhoven because i haven't seen basic instinct i haven't seen robocop i haven't seen all that right so i was like and i've only seen literally this and um what is it uh
1: starship troopers. troopers haven't gotcha. seen any
0: of his other stuff really and we can get into verhoven a little bit but he's a danish dude you know listen yeah nakedness is is something. He, yeah he's a trip um turkish delight you see all the dick so anyway <laughs> it's um but anyway but yeah that was my understanding of it and i was just glued to the screen i was like this is what this is huh okay
2: yeah all right think- cool because the movie takes itself so seriously it's like you know in the vein of other cult classic camp movies like mommy dearest or valley of the dolls where like it just it is so serious so over the top so there's something so earnest about it i love it i yeah i totally you should
0: also know this uh donovan is that i am thinking of getting the beyond the valley of the dolls criterion just for you Um, oh you should
2: you absolutely should it's so good (laughs)
0: Because I know I can find Valley of the Dolls on um, YouTube somewhere, probably. I can probably find that for free. But I know Beyond the Valley of the Dolls has that, and I'm just like, you know what? Maybe I will. I don't know. I don't know yet. That's further down the line. But... For the next Criterion sale. <laughs> oh, I know. Seriously, right. They actually just had um, I was just talking to Jackson Cooper about this because mm-hmm. we had just recorded like not too long before we did, uh, a couple days ago. But uh I now own all of the John Waters movies that were Criterion because I, I already owned Pink Flamingos. So yes, exciting. yes, yes, yes. So female trouble, life changing, lovely. Um, polyester, I'm probably gonna watch next because I've seen multiple maniacs, meh, and then mm-hmm. hairspray I had to get to. Oh my god, of yeah. course anyway so uh back to showgirls <laughs> but um but that was my understanding of it and i just watched it a couple days ago because it is on criterion channel now i don't know why i think it might be because they're doing a vegas thing because also a bunch of elvis movies are on there and yeah. i'm like okay maybe they're t- i don't know okay well, there's
2: there's also like this new restored 4k special edition that's that true just came out too. That has That's a bunch a of little special bit. features and like interviews mm-hmm. with the filmmakers, which is true. You know, Brian was very excited when that arrived. Oh my god! Of course, uh, and it
0: probably looks so good.
2: Uh, but yeah,
0: I I also want to wait a minute because I'm pulling up. I want to pull up my uh, Criterion channel right now, and I just want to talk a little bit about how Criterion advertises this movie. So I'm literally reading it right off here. So. Unbound by musty notions of good taste, Showgirls goes farther than any other movie of the 90s in its uh, orgiastic depiction of consumerism, uh, crass spectacle, and the dark side of the American dream. Elizabeth Berkley, in a tour de force of hysterical excess, stars as Nomi, a tough-as-nails drifter with a go-it-alone attitude and a murky past, who arrives in Las Vegas and sets about trampling on everybody around her, including Gina Gershon's evil-seductive nightclub diva as she... Uh, fights her way up from stripper and a sleazy club to star showgirl with its deliciously overripe dialogue and nigh unhinged uh, performances showgirls is both a delirious star is born satire and a terrifying vision of capitalism's corruption of the soul.
1: And I will tell you this right here, right now, whatever Mo wrote that, you know what? Good for you. Which it is so fascinating because when the f- movie was first released in 1995, It was marketed at this seedy look into the dark lives of Vegas performers. And the original tagline was, leave your inhibitions at the door. And it was this serious, gritty look. And as soon as the movie was released, MGM flipped the script because they realized how bad the movie was. And I forget what it is on the DVD cover, but it's like, Unhinged, unreleased, and they just they went full camp with it, which made Paul Verhoeven extremely upset because this was his brainchild that he thought of, and the studios gave him full creative control over this movie because of how successful Fatal Attraction was or Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. I get them it's mixed up. Attraction. Attraction. Whatever, <laughs> similar movies. And um and RoboCop. So the studio yeah. said, "You've made us all of this money." this is your passion project, let's do it. And boy, is it a passion project?
2: Yeah, well, I think like in in recent interviews, both him and the name the screenwriter, Joel Joe, Esther has Joe mm-hmm. like they've admitted that there was probably a lot of hubris and a lot of ego at play when they were making this movie. So I think it's yeah, it, it it definitely goes over the top, but also in such a like in a way that is so serious, it takes itself so seriously, which again, just adds to the camp value
0: yeah totally i that's that was my kind of whole thing with it having watched it at least twice now where i'm just like what is this like is it but i've kind of come to the realization or just come to the kind of stone cold fact that this movie really did i really think that it was taking itself seriously Like, Paul Verhoeven really thought, like, I'm going to make this, and people can even say basic instincts is kind of campy, I guess, too, but, like, no, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to cast this chick, and that's what it's going to be, and that also uh, makes me question his, not generosity, his genuity or whatever, because I'm like, oh, so... I know you made this like serious. This is unintentional camp at its best,
2: really. Well, there's one guess. (laughs) And Brian will agree. There's one person in this movie that knows exactly what kind of film they're in, and I'm wondering if you know who that is.
0: Oh, that is Miss Gina Gershon, honey. She knows exactly what she's in because, yeah. And even to a point, I well, I will say I think Kyle McLaughlin
1: also knows what he's in but uh yeah and i don't think he's don't, happy about it but you can i don't think he's like, happy about it either. they both know what kind of movie they were filming and what it was going to be but gina gershon leaned into it and kyle oh, Glossen yes. leaned away from it and I, really, I think so too he's really pulled himself away from this movie like if you look at recent interviews he doesn't talk about it where gina gershon just reposted some pictures from behind the scenes on her instagram because of the release on criterion collection she knows exactly what her character was and she is one of my idols and i appreciate I, her
0: i love her corky is i would let corky peg the fuck out of me i'm sorry i've done too much information <laughs> but oh listen i mean and you can say whatever you want about the wakowskis i've never seen the matrix i don't care um <laughs> and i don't even know if i like the movies but bound that is the sexiest movie fucking ever
2: oh my mm-hmm. god
0: oh jesus yeah, it makes uh, me want to be a lesbian
2: Gina She yeah, she has this track record of playing these like lesbian bisexual characters. It's very interesting. She does it very well god i love
0: her anyway uh but we'll move on with the rest of our show but i i appreciate all that um so we'll go over some figures and then also talk about some of the production history of this movie so as you stated before this movie was directed by paul verhoven who had previously done basic instinct robocop things like that came from denmark or europe really where he had already had kind of a career anyway in film also uh this is written by joe esterhouse uh, what else did he write except this? I'm trying to remember. He wrote I Basic Instinct, remember. too. He yeah. did. Yes, yes, yes. So that's him. And then you have uh, Alan Marshall, Charles Evans, and Mario Kassar, Kassar, uh, as our producers of this film. Uh, this was released September 22nd of 1995. So I, when you're hearing this, it'll be beginning of this, uh, September. So we're in at least the month of the release. And Girl That's Coming Up on it is... Oh, girl, it is coming up on its 30th in two years. I'm like, this is crazy. Crazy. um that'll be a moment uh, we're looking at a budget of about 40 to 45 million dollars depending on who you ask and then really i see that we have a box office of about 20 million in the states and canada and then about 20 million i guess
1: worldwide i am guessing but uh the crazy figure the home sales for yes, this movie that. is ridiculous and then like yeah. blockbuster and all these movie rentals made a hundred mm-hmm. million dollars it in did. rentals
0: yeah it did and then you also we'll get into that too of like the different versions that came out and everything cuz ooh it gets interesting and then we have a 23% on rotten tomatoes and a 37% audience score um apt uh and then a 5 out of 10 on imdb and then a 3.2 out of 5 on letterboxd that's and not then we'll, bad honestly i know and i think it mostly is because of people being ironic which you know what fair that's totally fair with this movie. And we have our cast of characters. We have Elizabeth Berkley as Naomi Malone, Kyle McLaughlin as Zach Carey, Gina Gershon as Crystal Connors, um and then we have uh, Glenn Plummer as James Smith, who's the guy who is going kind of after
1: Naomi trying to get her him her to be in the stance of his. Um our best friends. That's his favorite character yeah. and he quotes him all the time and it makes me He's laugh like, so much. I have I a problem pussy. with pussy. Always <laughs> have always gonna oh jesus I got
2: and shit
0: oh jesus anyway robert davy as al torres the owner of the strip club that uh Nomi worked at um and then gina rivera as molly abrams who we can also talk about if we want to as well um and then some other folks we have so we have lynn tucci as henrietta uh mama who is like the vaudevillian yes yes you're the only one who could get my tits popping pop right <laughs> uh, oh, i love her uh fun little fact if you don't already know this but she uh this was like her debut kind of i don't think she had really been in anything before and she then went on to be one of the prisoners i guess one of the hispanic prisoners right? in yeah. orange is the new black which is kind of fun and then we got our good old Mo patrick bristow uh who plays marty who is what
1: the fuck <laughs> is he is he like a because we like have a the ch- i guess She's- yeah yeah, because Gay feels like the line captain where she still performs in the yes. show, where Marty is more like the maintenance yeah. choreographer who sure. is on the outside, making yeah. sure that like, the show quality right. is good. Do a PK That's turn. True. That's
0: it. Exactly. Right. Oh, Jesus. Love him. Uh, and then, yeah,
2: so those are like our main. Oh, and then we have Rena Riffle, of course, who's Penny slash Hope. Um, yeah, who we actually saw at a Showgirls screening because. She'll go to the opening of an envelope. Apparently, um, Girl, we can also talk about those sequels because I have not seen them, and I want to know if you guys have. Oh, we watched *Pennies from Heaven*. We can talk about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll
0: talk about it because I want to. I just want you to tell me what it is because I don't want to watch it. It's really um, not
2: much. <laughs> anyway,
0: we have some critical response quotes. I have at least. Two that are bad, I guess. And then one because I just like to shout them out. Um, but uh, Jason Bailey from Flavor Wire says, The thin, terrible people of Showgirls are equally loathsome. You don't have a rooting interest in Nomi or her dream. And as a result, Showgirls is a 131 minutes of watching trashy, vapid people being terrible to each other. Okay, Jason, that, that's fine. Like, yes, that is what this movie is. Um, and then Joy uh, Jay Boyer from orlando sentinel one thing i'll say for showgirls it's educational but sadly it isn't much else and then we have uh the one and only trace thurman from the horror queers podcast who does state this is a camp masterpiece and don't let anybody tell you otherwise okay that's fine trace (laughs) like I'll, i'll i'll second it but yeah so that's what we're looking to in terms of like just the figures and stuff like that. We can get into a little bit of production history of this now, as you all just stated. So Verhoeven like had carte blanche because he had made. a a lot of money uh, for this studio. I guess, um, I don't know what those studios were. This was MGM who released this. Um, So I don't know if MGM also released those other movies, but pretty much they were like, you know what? You can do whatever the fuck you want because you made us a bunch of money. Great. Lovely. So apparently Esther house, who again, wrote basic instinct. He came up with the idea of showgirls while he was on vacation in Maui, Hawaii. And he just like pretty much wrote on a napkin, his idea of this because I guess he had said that he always Verhoeven told him that he always liked big MGM musicals and why don't we do something like that in Las Vegas why not? I wonder and so,
2: how much coke he was on while he was writing this movie.
0: I really do like I wonder that too because I'm just like yeah. what so he was given right. yes uh, Our brown he
1: was, rice and vegetables are here one second
0: that's fine love it so we're gonna we're gonna talk about your husband and everything like that too while he's not here um but it's fine (laughs) no but anyway so um he doesn't need to be here for this but anyway because we already probably know this now what i will say so this gentleman was given two million dollars to write this script off of this like napkin idea right it's crazy (laughs) and then he was also given an extra 1.7 million dollars i guess afterwards (laughs) or something i don't fucking know it's crazy and so it made him the highest uh, rated screenwriter of um, hollywood history at that point which is insane and again must be nice to be like a cishet white man. I don't know. Like, okay, <laughs> great. Must be nice. What privilege. What privilege? Like what? Okay, I guess. Great. Yeah. When you show Sharon Stone's vagina to everybody, it makes an impression, I guess. I All guess right. so. I guess so. And then Verhoven deferred 70% of his six million dollar director's salary, um, depending on if it would make a profit or not. And he lost out in that, I think. Sure um, did. He sure did. But yeah, so but yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Like yeah. honestly. Um, you didn't miss much, Brian. It's fine. Uh, no, but anyways, great. so Esther House is quoted as saying though, I wrote Showgirls at the single most turbulent time of my life. And he also says the stuff I've done since has had more warmth, more humor, and is more upbeat. So I'm like, all right, House, That's fine. D- do you all know what he wrote afterward or anything like that? I don't have it up the top of my head
1: or anything right now. Uh, not noteworthy to my knowledge. Let me take a look at my sources. Oh, I know. House right? after, what did you write after this? Girls. We're doing the uh, research and development of this afterwards. Uh, he did. Oh shit. Trade. He did one night stand in 1997. Interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, He was basically downhill after Showgirls because before (laughs) Showgirls, Instinct. He wrote. He wrote
2: Flashdance. He wrote Flashdance. He did.
1: Wow! I just saw that. Huh?
0: Oh, huh? He's lying out his ass then. Like, what the hell? Anyway, so (laughs) whatever. But yeah, so. All right, they give him carte blanche to be like, all right, let's make this movie, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, let's do this casting and everything. This is only how much I found out, really. Before Elizabeth Berkeley was cast on this movie, um, mm-hmm. she was in a little show called Saved by the Bell, which I don't know if either of you watched. I don't know, really. I didn't. Not really. Um, never, never a it.
2: little before my time, if I'm being a, honest.
0: A, a little bit, yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, it was more of like a full house kid i yeah, guess sure. but then i also think that shows trash and boy meets world is a way better show but anyway right. you know but uh would you like to uh f- would you like to uh hear who else was on the on the docket for Naomi no malone you know,
1: on the chopping block yes on the
0: chopping block and if you have any other of them as well so um apparently pamela anderson who apparently is in this movie somewhere she, she uh, apparently Apparently, that's what Wikipedia told me. That apparently oh. she is at the party, which uh, near the end of the movie, oh, I guess. The- oh, okay. I, be- be- I believe it. I believe I it. Know. Drew Barrymore, apparently, which I'm just like, okay. I mean,
2: I don't. Start? She would have ne- never, never. She would. Oh, have she that. would have never.
0: Are you kidding me? Um, Angelina Jolie. Maybe these were also people who like they were like, hey, let's throw this out. Yeah. Vanessa Marcel, who I don't know who that is. I'm sure I could put a face to a name, but whatever jenny mccarthy oh hell no she got pretty close
2: though from my understanding
0: she did but she's also to be fair not the best actress like and i mean like we're talking about elizabeth berkeley here who again (laughs) has a limited range but is a little bit better than jenny mccarthy if if you're asking me denise richards who would have served because you already know how i feel about denise richards i love her and Oh my God. And then Charlize Theron, who I actually wouldn't have been like mad about. I want to see like the,
2: the alternate universe where Charlize Theron is Nomi Malone. Mm-hmm. I want to see that. Role. I would love that. That would be so great. Like, oh, Jesus. And then
0: also uh, Madonna and Sharon Stone apparently were also considered for the role of Crystal Connors. It would have made sense if either no. one of them was to do I that. Agree. Sure. Um, I literally have not seen any other Madonna movie except for League of Their Own.
1: Uh, Even, it, you haven't seen Evita? No.
0: Why am I going to watch that? What? Like,
1: uh, <laughs> No. That's another bridge we'll cross later. Yeah.
0: Right? We, we, yeah, we could do that another time because I'm just going to be like, really? like You are not at all any kind of you are a white lady from Michigan. My friend, <laughs> right. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and then Kyle McLaughlin um said that Dylan McDermott was the first choice for Zach, but he declined. And McLaughlin was then cast. McLaughlin just needed a check. I mean, he just
2: uh, oh for sure.
0: Because I love him in blue velvet. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh
2: no, speaking a of Jurassic actor, Park,
0: <laughs> I mean Laura Dern.
1: Like, come on. Oh absolutely.
0: Yeah. But were you gonna say I'm sorry?
1: <laughs> no, just Laura Dern. That's it.
0: Yeah, Laura Dern. Uh, yeah. Lord Dern. Anyway, sorry. This is not a Lord Dern podcast, although it could be. <laughs> um, anyway. But he recalls that this was a decision that was sort of a tough one for him to make, but he was enchanted by Paul Verhoeven. He seems kind of charming, I guess. It's the European of it all. Um, particularly Robocop, he loved, so that was great. And it was Verhoeven and Esther House, and it was like, this would be dark and edgy and disturbing and real. And, uh, well, you got some of that to a point, yeah. but... Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Anyway, but uh, apparently, so Esterhaus and Verhoeven, um, as you stated a little bit earlier, Brian, that like they wanted it to be like kind of gritty and real. They apparently interviewed over 200 Las Vegas strippers and incorporated parts of their story into the screenplay to kind of show the exploitation of strippers as a whole um, in this kind of industry. Something like that. And then also Gina Rivera has also said that the rape scene was traumatic that she did. We could talk about it till we get there because I hate um, that scene. Yeah, Brian,
1: talk about um, scene. We, I always skip it because oh it, it adds nothing because really Molly is the most pure character and just the fact that they chose that character to have that happen to, yeah. uh, it sickens me to my stomach and I can never yeah. watch that scene. So we always skip it. And then yeah. all of a sudden, she's in
2: the hospital. I just pretend she fell down flight <laughs> five stairs. Uh huh. There you go. We can talk about it a little bit further. We just cut but, to the um... scene of her doing her revenge nails and and, sure. and putting lipstick on her titties before she yeah. k- kicks Andrew Carver's
1: ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, it adds nothing to the movie, and I think that's another reason why they they Paul Verhoeven and Joe Eszterhas wanted it to be gritty. It's like, oh, this is real. This is what happens. Like. We don't. Sometimes reality is not what we want.
0: No, and uh, no, I no, they don't. And yeah. Anyway, we can get all into that because we're also. I mean, for the record, we're all three gay men. So yep. I mean, we are not women. And I do, I do not have that experience of like what it's yeah. like to be a woman who has dealt with sexual assault like that. But it's just in not great. It's in yeah. shocking tastes that I don't like personally as well, and yeah. I'm just like and i've watched like, it two different times and i'm just like why it takes you out
2: of the for? movie it, it really does it, it, it really does. like removes you from what's happening yeah it's very jarring and, and
1: yeah every person that i know even on the commentary um mm-hmm. on the original blu-ray release says that skips it every viewing refuses mm-hmm. to show it because it adds nothing to the movie and is done purely for shock factor because it could be a traumatizing experience because it comes out of nowhere
0: it really does and i just yeah Ooh, Oh no, it this is it. we're done <laughs> we're done we're not gonna bring it up again um we'll just talk about the revenge nails and how that's bullshit too um yeah. anyway because <laughs> we can talk about that um <laughs> so yeah this movie came out in september 22nd of 1995 and um You know, they took a whole ad in Variety out to be like, this is a morality tale and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And, you know, they denounced the advertising of the film as misguided and all of this kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. And again, like you were saying, it made over $100 million in home video releases because I think people are a little bit more apt to get something that was NC17 in their home, maybe, as opposed to them going to the film because that was also probably something too. This is one of the only like mainstream films, we can call it that, that got an NC17 rating like that. So you don't really want to go to (laughs) there, especially if you're trying to get any titillation out of this. Which we can also talk about how this movie is not sexy or titillating at all. It's about. not at all. <laughs> not at all. But like if you did even want that, like to see all that, like mm-hmm. it makes more sense that people would rent it, I guess. Cause and the privacy your of their home. And
1: I think it got a lot of word of mouth that oh, this movie was so bad yeah, and it wasn't so much people saw it and said it was bad. It's like, oh, I heard it was bad. And then you rent it at home. You have a viewing yeah. party, watch it. and then mm-hmm. thus is born the cult film from group viewing parties from there, Absolutely. sure.
2: yeah. And they now like promote that, you know, like right, like, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. We, there's like showgirl screenings all the time. We went to one a couple of years ago. It was like going mm-hmm. to Rocky Horror.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because this started selling good on VHS DVD and all that kind of stuff, it's one of the highest rated, it's one of the, like, the highest grossing like ever like home releases, really, I'm sure. <laughs> As you said, there was the uh, special edition, the VIP package in 2004, where they had drinking games on the back, and it had a nude poster of uh, Elizabeth Berkeley with a pair of suction cup pasties so that people could play, pin the t- on the showgirl
1: oh 2004 I, I ordering that for my showgirls collection and it is extremely expensive on ebay Oh, so. really oh absolutely
2: oh my God. Do, no.
0: do not do not do not do that to yourself brian I'm not, no no
2: oh, yeah you shouldn't we um we have gosh. he has like showgirls shirts he has like showgirls cla-
0: I oh my my
2: yeah He's it's getting the for me to show on this yeah. audio format,
0: but I still want to see it, though.
2: I know! Uh, oh, so, my God. So for, the, for all of the listeners, you'll have to
1: imagine. My friend got us these wine glasses that have Nomi Malone's face as the Versace logo. And it oh, says, my God. She got it at Versace. And then another one that has an etching of Crystal Connors that says, Crystal Connors, it's not champagne, it's holy water. <laughs> oh my god well, my friends know me very well know me oh like. i'm i'm so happy for you
2: <laughs> brian god. also um he shares nomi's birthday so there's a scene where she's filling out the oh. paper and she doesn't yes. have her social security number and she's like uh seven three seventy three she's 20 years <laughs> older than me exactly and i take that aside.
0: oh i love that yeah she could have been like your cool cousin or something like that she's um <laughs> you're like you fucked up cousin i guess i don't know um anyway so needless to say this also affected striptease a little bit although striptease probably isn't a good movie either but because of this poor reception they were like yeah no like this is also not going to be that good um and they were trying to distance themselves to this also i will say this too a fun little fact about the choreography of this movie um so uh the person who was the, one of the choreographers. So I think it was a main one and like an assistant one. The main one is a lady by the name of Marguerite, uh, Derricks, I believe something like that. Um, she did this movie and also striptease as well. Um, but she also is the person who did uh, the choreography for a lot of the Austin Powers movies. Um,
2: oh, cool. Yeah.
0: Lovely. And yes. And she's also the person who did the thriller dance for 13 going on 30. She's the one who helped choreograph that. Nice. Um So that's so kind of cool. And- I have
1: a little behind the scenes, fun fact about this movie. So uh-huh. I worked in the film industry for a couple of years uh-huh. and when I worked in the film industry. I worked with some people who worked on this movie and I instantly was attracted to them and I wanted all the information. And so apparently during a lot of the dance numbers, specifically the one where she licks the pole. My friend who worked in the costuming department said that the thongs ended up in the ceiling so often because of the energetic kicks and all of the thrusting going on. They have to pause the takes, get a ladder out, climb down to get the thong and restart the shoot over and over and over again. Just, I'm like, that's iconic. That's beautiful. So the choreography is just as erratic as the movie is. I love that for
0: her. Like I really do. Like, you know, just like, pound that pussy into the pole and then just like kick it so that yeah like do it why not also uh, the wall man like really wow. I love that for her um I will also say to the outfits these are some fucking fits mm, god mm-hmm. sorry so many fits so much like ugh. you have a favorite my favorite personally I mean I love that blue thing she has on like near the quarter end of the movie I think it was it's so yeah. good like uh it's just so cute
1: fucking fit i
2: think it's Ooh, the it's- Versace dress for me honestly mm-hmm. like
0: i mean i get that
1: yeah see i was gonna go with the red fringe because that's the first mm-hmm. time you really see her in all of her glory she's wearing the red fringe dancing in the club and james walks up and says you can dance and it's just what so- are you doing teasing
2: my dick it's
1: oh my god it's really- where I think you see Nomi in full
2: force with the fringe going back and forth. Oh my God. That scene is iconic because she like starts the fight and uh-huh. then you see her walk away and you see that look in her eye of like, yeah, I caused that. Like just like that evil glint in her eye. It's so good. And then, I mean, you see that again later when she pushes Crystal down the stairs. Spoiler, Spoiler later. Is it? all of it yes oh my yeah. god that is crazy uh lovely anyway
0: so then um yeah like these these are some fucking fits dude like they're so good and all of that kind of stuff and just like the high-waisted like mom jeans as well that she's wearing yeah. a little bit that's a whole thing uh and all that but so you know we talk about this and just how it was like poorly received and all this kind of stuff and it was uh, shown on logo and vh one and everything like that um, and the cult status of this movie so it has been deemed one of these movies that is so bad that they're good I guess which okay fair um, according to a writer Naomi Klein um, ironic enjoyment of this movie um, initially uh, arose among those who had the video before MGM capitalized on the idea of it um, so they noticed that it was performing well because trendy 20 somethings were throwing showgirls irony parties laughing sardonically at the implausibly poor screenplay and streaking with horror at the Aerobic uh, sexual encounters, and this is also embraced by the drag community with drag queen hosted screenings becoming an ongoing tradition. Most famously, was done at Midnight Mass with Peaches Christ over in San Francisco, which, of course, why wouldn't she do that? But yeah, I mean, it's a midnight movie. It's been played like Rocky Horror or like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and stuff like that. Oh, and then also it's heralded as one of the best bad movies, a camp classic in the vein of Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. (laughs) That's what I have in here. Speaking
1: sure. of beyond,
2: uh, Roger Ebert gave it like a pretty decent review also. He was like, yes, it's a bad movie, but is it entertaining? Absolutely. I'll give
0: him that. Yeah, it is entertaining. I was interested for the two hours and 11 minutes. That's the other thing about this movie. It's way too long. Ooh, it's way too long.
1: I, mm. It does have some pacing
2: issues, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just kind of can't look away. And I mean, I honestly, yeah. Out. Ooh, do you have a favorite dance number? Oh,
0: that's a great question. I will say, I hmm, it might be the first one with Goddess, maybe before.
1: I think it is the one that nobody's watching. I like that one a lot. It's the the volcano number. So, here's my ultimate question Do you think Goddess is a show that has like a rotating number every night? So, there's like the volcano number one night. And then the motorcycle the right? or do you think all of these different dance numbers are in the same night like you go to goddess you sit down and you see the volcano you see the motorcycle you see crystal connor's ascending like jesus is that one night or multiple shows because we will never know that's very true
0: brian i appreciate your question on that because and how I would-
1: I want to know the tech theater side of that because those stage turnovers, yes. I want to know the behind the scenes of that as a theater nerd as well, too. Like, uh-huh. what kind of show is got it? Well, and, like, they
2: left fucking poor Annie bashed with her knee on the floor of the stage. Did she just stay there for the entire show? Like, how was that the end of the show? I, I, I
0: guess. Yeah, right. What do they do? Uh, no, I don't I'm, know, man.
2: I'm
1: fascinated by
2: the actual show goddess of, so like, what... I it think, is i think my favorite number is the motorcycle number like the snm motorcycle number is just pretty iconic especially when she kicks Nomi <laughs> to the ground and then they get up and then they're doing that like scissor like choreo oh gosh, yes. for, for the listeners i'm like literally doing it now yeah
1: i could confirm yes
0: um <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite one brian though
1: i feel like i have to go with a volcano number as well too yeah so good Yeah, it's the one that i know the whole thing by heart mm-hmm. like that's that's the one I usually do when yeah. I walk. I think I before. I think I know what your guys's first dance is gonna be.
2: Well, funny you mentioned that, Brian. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So we're,
1: we there might be some showgirls music playing at our wedding at some point. And so absolutely you, should be. You never know. Mm-hmm. You should put
0: it on Instagram and then just like share it out to all the other hummus. Just well. <laughs> I will. I will
1: tag Gina Gershon you should absolutely
0: that is your yeah you really should this is for you um absolutely uh back to your question though i mean i really do think like maybe it's like two two of them maybe i think they're different shows i because yeah, I, yeah. I don't think you could do that i also went to school for theater and shit so i'm just like there's no fucking way like are you kidding me yeah. and like i've never been to vegas y'all are on the west coast so like you'd be more apt you never come. been oh i ain't doing all that like my sister went actually um she went literally the week or week and a half before that whole shooting thing happened which was crazy yeah i know that was kind of weird Uh, she went to a music festival it wasn't the same music festival it was like literally one where harry styles was at um The iHeartRadio one. I think that was the one that was happening. Um, So, yeah. Not to bring the show down or anything. But that's literally my exposure. And she got sick eating Wahlburgers, I think it was, that happened. Sorry, I'm... We went to Vegas with
2: our friends in, what, 2017? 2017. 2018. And we had, like, a full Showgirls moment. We went to the Caesars. We went to Versace. You know, we went to Spago. And um did you go uh, to Cheetahs? Did you watch? No, they it's by not it? there. It's not there. But uh, what was the show we saw?
1: Uh, we went and saw Zumanity, which yeah. is no longer playing. Which is okay. Cirque du Soleil is a burlesque. It's like show. their version of Goddess. Yeah, Pro. it was like a version of watching Goddess and seeing the like Cirque du Soleil production where they have this, these grand set pieces coming in and out. I still don't know how Goddess could do it. I don't think it's possible.
0: I don't think it crazy. is either. And do you know why that yeah. is? It's because it's a movie, Brian. That's why.
2: Exactly. <laughs> this is real life. They um they uh in the special features on the new 4K, they were talking about how they shot it all in a theater in Tahoe. So it wasn't even it had... in Vegas proper. Like they shot all of it in um there was in an Lake a, Tahoe. Abandoned casino in Lake Tahoe. I'm like, let's go. And it closed in 2014. Yeah, very... yeah you can't go there. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sorry.
1: Uh but yeah, I mean, oh God, I can only
0: mm. Also, okay. did she fall during the show? I thought it was a rehearsal for some reason, but maybe I'm wrong. When, yeah. when when
1: when G the the, bees, yeah, the, the bees, bees. Shown, yes. You can see audience members in the audience. Yeah. And then yeah. Connors ascends into the ceiling, and she's sitting there holding her knee. And then all of a sudden, the house lights are on. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, I just yeah. imagine Crystal Connors hanging by those wires. Like, what's happening down there? And they couldn't get her down. That's
0: <laughs> my, True. My funny thought. Like some like wicked shit where she's like in wow. the bubble or something. You know,
1: that, like, um,
2: yeah. that girl who throws the beads with the, what is and what and up with that her, hair? She, what the fuck is up with her hair? I for, her hair is weird, but she's also kind of fierce. Because, like, she has, like, a side story of you can see her playing the game and, like, recognizing who the key players are. She's like, all right, like, Crystal's the main bitch. And I got to get in with Nomi because she's coming up hot. And, like, if I get in with Nomi, then I can be her understudy. And it's very interesting to see that little side plot develop because.
1: Because there's always sure. someone younger and hungrier than you coming down, down the stairs. stairs behind you. Uh, yes. And I did also tell,
0: I said this to Brian um, over a message. I was like, so is this just like a smutty or all about evil? And he was like, yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. A little yeah. bit. I mean, I guess
2: sure. compared to it, it gets compared a lot. To all about Eve a lot. I see
0: why. Because I just watched that because it's also on Criterion. Yeah. And yeah and i of course like why not betty davis like the fucking who cares Great. Um, but yeah, I, I see some similarities. I see it, you know, for sure. Um, everything from like Molly showing like um Crystal, like bringing Nomi to meet Crystal, yeah. like yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. It's you know, I, there's parallels for sure. Um, so re- critical reevaluation of this movie. So the cult status is there, and then there's the critical reevaluation. So there are people like um Jim Dramouche, um, Adam McKay, Jacques Rivette who have gone on the record saying that this is a serious satire of a movie which again okay cool jacques Rivette uh, said it's one of the great american films of the last few years though very unpleasant it's about surviving a world populated by assholes and that's for verhoeven's philosophy quentin tarantino yeah. has said that he's in show- joyous showgirls referring to it in 1996 as the only other time in the last 20 years that a major studio made a full-on gigantic big budget exploitation film and he considered he compared it to mandingo um which again i think was another um exploitation yeah. film like that too, um it's been compared to 1950s All About Eve as a remake, update, or ripoff of that film. Not completely. There are little things, but it's a totally different yeah, story. Mean,
2: like, it's it's similar but different, right? It's similar but different. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um and then also, uh Rosenbaum Jonathan Rosenbaum he is quoted as saying, "Showgirls has to be one of the most vitriolic allegories about Hollywood and selling out ever made." It's not in Hollywood, but okay. But entertainment industry, I mean, yeah, like I think if you want to read into it like that, I'm somebody who like, I don't know how people do it in LA and who live that kind of actor life without just having their soul crushed. And (laughs) I give a lot of, I really do give a lot of credit for people because i couldn't do it ever uh there's a reason i stay right here in in good old baltimore okay uh because it it depends on how you do it but like not to get super deep if we can if we want but like yeah when you go to a place like la that can really that city can eat you up chew you out spit you out everything like that if you don't already have a good head on your shoulders and you don't have your mind in a good place and you guys understand that because you live there so like you know
1: Um, Absolutely. And I also, I mean, having worked in the film industry for a couple of years and left the film industry because uh, of a career changes and stuff, but it is not an easy place to work. And I always commend people who love to work in film and I will support my film sisters out there always who enjoy the work. It's not for me. And it takes a certain breed of person to work in the film industry. And by God, I will drink for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes,
0: absolutely. And it's just like... (sighs) and then also the thing too with like actors especially i mean yeah like you're constantly unemployed there's no job security you don't have any of this stuff
1: I guess no, you have a union. getting
0: paid the actors' wages. Hey, there you go. <laughs> like seriously, but like you know, it's just one of those things, man. And the same thing with like adult entertainment, because by and large, this is about people who are in the um adult entertainment industry. This is a titty show. Like this is a you know, yes, it's like a high hoity-toity like you know stripper show or whatever, but it is. Or and they talk dancer, about that. A She's a dancer. <laughs> I'm a dancer. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, it, it is that, and similar thing with that is. Is that the adult entertainment industry, I guess more so the big P of pornography, like, yeah, Yeah. like that is something where you can make it work for you and you can have a cool career in it but there's also plenty of people who are like the uh, complete opposite and they're like these are the gay people who like go on and be like you know oh well i entered into the gay porn industry and then now i'm a born again christian or whatever right or (laughs) like these different people who do that but there's a reason for that because there is deep-seated dark shit there and if you don't already have your head on straight enough and if you don't have your mental health in it specific yeah. place and you are self-reliant and self you know all that yeah. stuff you can get into addiction you
1: can take your own life whatever it is and we see seen do that as well too like in the beginning of the movie sure. she refuses to do the coke that yeah. everyone's offering her mm-hmm. she doesn't play those games and then the more she's getting in there the closer she's getting to
2: crystal and becoming crystal right she Starts taking drugs, having one seizure in a pool, and then all of a sudden she's doing coke. Yeah, I know, right? It's horrible, but yeah, no, where this movie
1: could have been a great look at the life of trauma in the entertainment industry and the life of that in the adult industry. It could, it didn't, but it could have. There's potential, and that's probably also why I I see it a cult classic because there are moments that it is relatable and but yeah. the, then there's also moments of extreme like what is this movie like for example yeah. monkeys why are there
2: monkeys we literally or have, we have them on in the background and look it's the monkey the scene. <laughs> and it's this like is why is two there monkeys Like, where do why we are there
0: monkeys what why? kind of fucking what kind of fucking stage show lets your kids be back there with you are you fucking love kidding love me
1: <laughs> oh I love it because it also oh i think God. the only pe- reason I they were there the monkeys
2: i want to see the monkeys
1: they were just there to help go the tension between Annie and i forget i don't know braid, her name braid friend box, braid
0: girl. uh box box braid betty or whatever her name is
1: no, it's not it's not good yeah but <laughs> Ke- uh,
0: kenny uh kenny jd on youtube she talks about this movie and i just like how because uh, she's a black girl and mm-hmm. so she does talk about that character and she just gives her different um she doesn't know her name so she just gives her like it literally like one of them was like uh box braid something box a brandy or something like that or like it's so funny Uh, please watch that video if you haven't already it's very funny um because again she just like keeps talking about this lady and she's fascinated by the movie i love that for her uh but yeah i'm just like yeah, why do you have that hair like you are a white woman and i don't know what you're doing but okay fine weird anyway but yeah so have you all have you all seen the movie or the documentary you don't know me at all
1: have yeah, you watch that absolutely oh, of course what we were have. your
0: thoughts on it i kind of want to know
1: i love it i mean i think any look back at this movie to see how it was released mm-hmm. and then what it's turned into now like it's it's the underdog story and like so the, i felt like you don't know me was just showing how this, especially for Elizabeth Berkeley, that she was destroyed and her career was ruined. And now she's reclaiming it back. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's like that story of like, you can take, take this horrible experience for her and then make a treasure out of it. Like when she went to the viewing at the Hollywood forever cemetery Mm -hmm. and the applause that she got, I hope that was a great moment for her because to show that much, Yes, her performance is erratic and her performance is out there, but that's not entirely her fault. It's though. not her fault. She was also directed. It is. That one. Yeah. So but just to see how much she has embraced this movie
2: after mm-hmm. the fact mm-hmm. makes me happy because I hope she has the best everything yeah. in life. I think this movie. There's. I think why the, the reason why it queer people are drawn to it is because there's yeah. like that. Note rage factor right like you get to see mm-hmm. this woman who is very akin to like other queer icons like Joan Crawford Betty Davis mm-hmm. Gloria Swanson and sense of Boulevard like these hard yeah. women who like are ultimately survivors and they do what it takes to get by and I think a lot of queer people um are drawn to that because yeah. it's like a way for them to escape or or kind of feel like they've taken some of their power back they get to see that on screen
0: sure. Yeah, and I think also, too, like what you are saying, Donovan, I completely agree with that. And then also, even though I don't think it's handled the best in the movie, but I'm sure that there are some women who look at this movie and are like, you know what? Like, I kind of get what Nomi's doing. She has a reason to be pissed. Like, you know, we find this out that like, you know, that she has been. I also love the fact that her literal name is Pollyanna Costello.
1: Or whatever, Polly Ann, yes,
2: mother, and then kill himself.
0: Oh my God! (laughs) Which is so. First off, with Joe Estherhouse, you deserve to go to jail because Polly Ann, like, really, like, really, like, are you okay? I see what you're doing because not that I'm a writer or whatever, but like you're using Polly Ann because of Pollyanna, okay? Which. For listeners out there, if you don't already know what Pollyanna is, Pollyanna is a character in a book that is seen as like kind of this like she always looks on the bright side of life, and she always has this. Nah, 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 the nah, ultimate whatever.
2: optimist, yeah.
0: The ultimate optimist, and she has been um uh referenced in different uh, versions. um What's an example of a Pollyanna in like a movie or whatever that people
2: would know of? I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know. Po- uh, what's example of a Pollyanna in a movie. Uh, i mean besides pollyanna yeah besides like the, the, the movie, movie. um <laughs> i don't know like Elle woods kind of gives me like Pollyanna. that's vibe. not the
0: worst yeah that's actually oh. a pretty good i would think so because again she always kind of
2: sees that bright side i don't know the story of pollyanna but like Reese, honestly Reese like i think of tracy flick in election is kind of like a pollyanna she is kind of
0: although i think she's a lot more
2: of like the She's more of a shrew, if anything, really. Yeah, but
0: I get what you're saying, though, because there is an influence to that. I'm looking on my... Uh, I'm just looking this up to see, like, what other things are there? But this is has been... It has been referenced in other things. So the fact that like Joe Esterhouse is using that is like, because again, somebody says, I'm sure you guys can quote it, of like, you know, you look like Pollyanna or whatever. Um, yeah. Cause I guess she has a specific way of looking yeah. or so whatever.
1: It's, that, it's when she goes to the audition for Goddess and sh- she shows up in like a traditional dancer. Like she has mm-hmm. her gauchos, yeah. her red, it's not a crop top, it's like a red shirt. Yeah. And mm-hmm. everyone else is in like bikinis mm-hmm. and thongs right. and yeah. the highest heels. And it's um, the producer Tony Moss looks up and says, "Hey, Pollyanna," and that terrifies her. And like, oh no, something's going on with Nomi, and Mm -hmm. we don't know her name Mm -hmm. is actually Pollyanna. Watch me be a
2: prick, exactly
0: exactly yeah and it's just that but like i okay yeah joe Asterhouse, like okay we see what you're doing like you're making this comparison of like whatever the hell because obviously she's not that but i'm just like why for what like i don't know it's so weird yeah i i just am like What even is this? But yeah, I mean, we already kind of went over a plot. I don't think we have to go too deep into it. But I guess if I had to ask, because we already talked about it a little bit before um, when I did my dramatic reading of what Criterion says that this movie is about. If you had to explain um, Showgirls to somebody who's never seen it before, I'm sure you guys have an answer to this since you literally show this to people. (laughs) How would you describe this movie to somebody who's like literally never seen it before and you haven't shown it to them yet?
1: Uh, the easiest way I describe Showgirls is it is a rags-to-riches, rise-to-fame movie mm-hmm. about an unhinged woman let loose in the streets of Vegas. There you go. <laughs> That's I can the, get into that. that. At the most simplest core, it's about mm-hmm. Nomi's journey from being a poor prostitute running away from Denver. But she's not a whore. She's not a whore, but she no. was as Pollyanne. She it was not a whore. But then it's her rise into stardom and it's about the entertainment cycle. It's about how it there's is. always another someone right behind you. Like we see that mm-hmm. a lot in the theater world. Like who was the ingenue and who is the old withered star sitting in a mansion, holding a man hostage to write a script. You never know who it's going to be. Some son's of a. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yes it's on my watch list on um prime to watch that so you've never uh, seen it oh i have never seen i know right oh. i do catch up
1: oh my gosh <laughs> I, I, do I don't do. want to say it's similar to showgirls but it's the same thing of like there's the old battered down yeah star
2: of the yesterday Wait, but if you're a theater gay do you, do you like the musical you can cut this out if you want but i'm just curious i've never
0: i've never seen it i don't even know that it was a thing Oh, it's
1: beautiful. Yeah, but then also there's a young ingenue mm-hmm. who she's jealous of, and then no one gets pushed down a flight of stairs like in Showgirls. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I would just describe Showgirls as the movie of a girl trying to find her place in Vegas. Yeah, with beautiful yeah. nails,
2: got drive, she's <laughs> got sure. determination. You know, she's gonna be a dancer. She is gonna be a dancer, yeah. and she'll do I anything that. That it takes to become a dancer.
0: Yeah, yeah, I. It's also funny too with Nomi, especially because we can talk about some of the characters of this movie and what we feel about them and everything. But like, actually, let's go into that because that was a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful um, summary of this movie (laughs) because it is just an enigma of a thing, really. I will, I will say, what do we think? What do you think about Nomi Malone as a character? I'll start with this. Mm. I will say, yes, she has a reason to be uh, mad. Um, which is why I said before, why I think some women might see her and be like, you know, Hey, like I can kind of understand why she's pissed off and you know what? Why not? So I get that. And I, I'm like, all right, girl, I see that. But I also think that Nomi is just an asshole. <laughs> like really. And again, I think she's a reason to be like, she has a certain chip on her shoulder, which is warranted, but I'm also just like, yeah, dude, but like, you're not. Like likeable in this movie at all who are and, we
1: rooting for and,
0: like you know yeah
1: and everyone in the movie is instantly attracted to her whether physically emotionally spiritually like she is the most magnetic character she walks into the room and everyone is obsessed with her and that's how she was written and that's how she was portrayed as this big over-the-top magnet of a personality and sometimes it's offputting, and she comes across extremely unlikable, but you kind of want a roof for her at the same time because she's just this enigma of a person she's she's chaos, she's just like pure chaos, chaos incarnate, yeah, yeah,
0: totally. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like she's such a an interesting person because I'm just like, yeah, you're horrible, but I am just kind of interested in what you're but doing I'm still like, to you.
2: I'm still like you it's like you.
0: <laughs> right sure to a point that i'm just kind of like yeah girl what are you even doing <laughs> um yeah and then what do we think of crystal i guess too like what do we think
1: about Legend, let you guys... legend, star no no comment just all of it <laughs> connors is who i aspire to be when i am in my mid thirties as a showgirl in Vegas. Well, you got to so. get
0: started on that at some point. Um, yeah, but
1: working on it. Mm. I, right. love, I love the dynamic that Crystal has. I love that she is unapologetically herself mm-hmm. and I love that she knows what she wants and she's going to try to get it by any means necessary, which is supposedly mirrored as Nomi but Crystal is smart about it and Nomi's chaotic about it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're very much mirrors of each other
0: because even that one scene that has no subtext whatsoever at all, where they're at Spago and like yeah. they're having their chips and all that, like they have this like connection of like you know, I used to love Doggy Chow because you know, when I was like uh Christy Lee Connors and I had dingy brown hair and itty bitty titties,
1: itty-bitty
2: yeah, right, itty-bitty. like it's There's like, nobody. yeah, and it's mirrors. It does, and and, the, and but like the best. Sorry, that not not to cut you yeah, off, but like that fine. scene also has like the the best line of, you know, we're all whores. You take mm-hmm. the cash, you cash the check, you show them what they want to see. Like it's so it's yeah, so true. It is.
0: I will give at least that. Like again, there's no subtext in that uh, scene at all. Nothing. But this movie doesn't have a whole lot of subtext in it in general. No. I feel like it's trying to say some things, but doesn't says it say it very well. But I mean, like. That is something where I'm kind of like, yeah, girl, you make a point on that. You do. I mean, it's true. Um, The movie has those
1: fleeting moments of genius and wit and glamour, uh, fleet, and then go away.
0: No, they really do. Because it's like, that's the thing about this movie, too, is that I feel like with, um, there's definitely cult classic movies that, you know, the reason that they're kind of these cult classics is because the tone of the movie is all over the place with mm-hmm. some stuff and that's what kind of endears it to people I feel like so you know it's like this one is like yeah the tone of this is all over the place in in a way it really is just like yes we are seeing this lady like go to Vegas to try to get her dreams and all that stuff right but then also it turns into I don't know the tone is really all over the place because then we're like okay cool you're gonna get revenge for your friend who was assaulted but then it's like okay that's great that you kicked this guy's ass but what about the other guys like why didn't you okay whatever this is a movie whatever i just like,
2: <laughs> it's yeah, like it's, yeah, it's totally very off and there's a lot of shifts that are very abrupt yeah. which does add to its camp value because it just feels like you're on a roller coaster the entire time like again not to bring it up again but like the the rape scene at the end of the movie is yeah. just a 80 from what we've experienced for the you know the, totally. free- the movie that we've seen so far yeah, uh, it's, it's, no, yeah totally. it's wild
0: you yeah, know totally and, and i think that's why these shifts are just really weird where it's like you know but then again it turns into like this thing of like you have this like revenge on andrew carver right um that Minomi enacts but then i'm like okay that's great and everything but like um and okay Hey, girl, you know, you, you, girl, you, you go, girl boss, girl boss. whatever. Yeah, right. Boss.
2: <laughs> but yeah, like... Where she all of a sudden turns into like a martial artist. Like Exactly.
1: She's doctor, so she's using her high kicks that she learned at the cheetah and
2: at exactly.
1: the Exactly. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Exactly. Um,
2: but it does, I mean, I love the end of the movie because it comes full circle. She gets back in the same guy's truck. She's like, I want my fucking suit. And then you see her go off. To maybe L.A. And she- apparently there was a sequel that he wanted to do uh, about her going to L.A., which, uh-huh. of course, but I would love to in, in the alternate universe. Love, love <laughs> to see that
0: I would I would love to see that too, kind of actually, not even gonna lie. Um speaking of sequels though, because I think you did say that you've seen at least one of the sequels of this movie. Cause if you don't already know listeners, so um yes, they this movie came out, it was bombed horribly, all this stuff. Then I guess what was it, a decade later or something like that? Like uh good old Rena Riffle uh from this movie, who played Penny slash hope. And also the one chick who's in Mulholland Drive. She plays the... Is she a prostitute or a somebody? Uh, yeah. I don't remember. But she is in there somewhere. She's also in that movie. But she decided to make a, a sequel called Penny's From Heaven. So girls no, yeah, <laughs> Pennies Penny's no. From Heaven. Have you seen it at all? And can you give a basic plot of what it would be?
1: Um, It all? is... Probably one of the worst shot films that I've seen because it feels like it was shot on iPhone. Yeah. by mm-hmm. when the first iPhone came out and barely had a camera because mm-hmm. it was it was released in 2011. It was a Kickstarter that Rena Riffle did for herself. She self-distributed this movie and huh. wrote it herself. She did it all. We watched the first like 30 minutes and like I, this is not even worth it's not watchable watchable it's really bad the, the premise is the plot heavily echoes the original film focusing on showgirl penny slot as she attempts to rise to the fame as a dancer in los angeles so they give her a last name penny
2: slot um, yeah i think you watch like the first half hour we're like you know this is not but it's funny because he's in or she's in it and then glenn Plummer, um who mm-hmm. plays uh, uh what's uh james, james james yeah he comes back in it too
0: oh my wow that um
2: a good movie hmm.
1: yeah and yeah it I, doesn't sound I like wouldn't a... even recommend watching it as like for fun because it's just it's not worth it yeah. just watch showgirls again it, just keep yeah it doesn't that.
0: sound yeah it doesn't sound like it at all although i will give rena riffle this at least that apparently i think she was aware of that this was seen as a serious film in a way. Um, Cause I think she even has said like, you know, yeah, I don't think people were in on the joke when they were making this movie, which okay, is funny yeah. when you think of it now, but like, Oh, this movie is so bad. It's good. blah blah blah. blah. Uh, but I think like, it's that. And I think Kyle McLaughlin has even said that too, where he was like, yeah, no, we were making like a serious film, make no mistake. Like this was something that was literally taken seriously. And it was, directed this way and everything like that. Um, kind of to go back to what you were saying, um, Brian about like, about Elizabeth Berkeley. I really do think like in anything, she really is like, I feel so bad for her with this movie. Cause it really did kind of like ruin her career. And it wasn't, I think all of her fault that it ruined yeah. it. I have heard that apparently her and Verhoeven were romantically involved at the time of filming And I think that was probably heavily why he chose her to cast in this show as well.
2: I didn't know that. Um, I
1: did not even know that.
0: Yeah, that's what I've heard uh, from, you know, that's what I've heard. And uh, it doesn't surprise me in that way, really. Um, Because why else would you just cast this unknown person? It's not like it's a Nikki Blonsky thing where, you know, you got to find a Tracy to play in Hairspray. And you get this girl and hey, she actually has ended up she's fine yeah. you know but this was taking somebody who literally came from like a sitcom and yeah. putting her into this like gritty sexy drama like okay um anyway but yeah, yeah. I and but, what you were saying before with the you don't know me documentary i did like that when i watched it then it's it's fine go watch it if you want but like i do like that she has reclaimed it and i i think that was the i don't think that documentary itself was so moving but that part of it was something i really liked where i was like you know what good for you going and yeah being able to have that closure and being able to you know understand that people actually do love you and they really like this movie and it's not that people are laughing at you it's not that it's more so that they're laughing at the ridiculous of this all. And you just so happen to be the center of it, but it's not you that people are laughing at and whatever. Some people might be. Yeah. Because they're whatever. But even when I watch it, I'm just like, she's not the worst really. I mean, and again, like you were saying earlier, she was directed that way. And Verhoeven has at least had the couth to at least say, yes, I had her directed to be this way so exactly, exactly. He,
1: he has taken full responsibility for this movie like when this movie won i think was it 15 Razzie awards which are yes, the movies, he was the only director to ever show up in person and accept his award in person mm-hmm. he's the yep. only person who's ever done that because i think he knew, he knew and he's also leaning into the camp factor to try to sell him more of course mm-hmm. but yeah. he knew what kind of movie this turned out to be he realized <laughs> what he had done and he hasn't i don't want to say he hasn't denounced the movie and he hasn't supported it he just knew mm-hmm. he knew what he did and he's there
0: yeah and i think i'll give him that at least like again eh, eh, eh. but i i could at least say i'm like you know what at least you said that like hey look it's my fault that her acting is a little bit like this because I told her to be this way. Um, because overall, I think she's probably a perfectly normal actress if, or anything. Believe yeah. you me, I'm sure there's worse actors than Elizabeth Berkeley, to be honest with you. Like, come on now. She but like
1: in First Wives Club. Like, she Exactly. Was... Yeah, she's in First Wives Club.
0: Yes, exactly. I just watched that a couple months ago for the first time. I was like, oh yeah,
2: mm. okay, she's it's in this. So good. Yeah. Which is so
0: funny because it's right after this movie. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, okay, she's still in her me a little bit. I like this. Yeah. Good yeah, job. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so before we wrap it up a little bit uh, more so, I will ask though, do you guys have any kind of... Oh, and again, also with Molly, we were talking about that a little earlier. I agree with you, Brian. I think she is so innocent. And I also don't exactly like the um, treatment of Molly through the movie. Um. But we can get into all... We're not going to get into all of this right to today uh but yeah just like this kind of sacrificial lamb uh yeah. you know also the fact that she is a uh person of color also doesn't add to it um one only in the entire that. movie yeah There's like literally
2: sh- it's her and james like literally like three black people in this movie and one of and, them- and annie
0: you yeah. know but okay. it is just which again i'm kind of like all right maybe it was subject at the time i don't know but like it is just like it's not, it, it, it's, it it's not a good look. It does. It's not a good look. Yeah, really isn't. Um, and then also just the idea of like, yeah, Nomi going after and getting revenge from Ollie, great and everything, but a little too late, sis. I mean, uh, but yeah. I, and again, I'm also not uh, qualified to talk on the experiences of people of color, being that I'm not one. But again, it's not a good look. It's bad taste, smelly behavior. Um, <laughs> just saying. But yeah. yeah. So. <sighs> that but do you guys have any particular like favorite scenes that stand out to you i know we kind of mentioned them throughout um oh but anything that you particularly you in know i know movie,
2: it's, so it's like just a treasure trove i would say like the 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 lap dance that she gives to kyle mclaughlin with oh well, Connors is watching that song that plays also the song the soundtrack kind of slaps in this movie um, <laughs> partly yeah i love the the Susie and the banshee song that plays at the end and I would say that scene, I would say the other scene where she, where J- her and James are doing the dance together. And she's like, I'm mm-hmm. on my period check. Is that like, I got towels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh God.
1: My favorite scene in this entire movie, I can tell you exactly what it is. Is the scene after the original audition for goddess, where she runs back and she's sitting on the chair. Crystal walks up and Nomi goes, you got me at that audition. Didn't you? It's like, why well, yes, darling, I did. And that whole back and forth is encapsulates the movie as a whole, but it's the most dramatic sniff I have ever seen in a movie where it's oh it's it's art. It it is why I love this movie so much because it is directed and acted so seriously, but it's just so over the top. And I think it perfectly, if if I would to show someone a clip from this movie to describe what this movie is, I'd show them that scene, that 30 seconds of that little back and forth interaction. And a little
0: sniff yeah sure i can get into that uh i would say one of my favorites i mean just from like having watched this at least twice now um i must say that i do like the scene where um it's after crystal's been uh you know thrown down the stairs and i like i like that whole scene where molly is pretty much just calling nomi out on her shit um Mm -hmm. i just like it because i think it's the best that molly has in this movie really um i i just think it's great because she's just like girl i see right through you yes i might have let you in my little trailer after just meeting you okay that's that's whatever (laughs) but I also can see that, like, you know what? Like, what what's up with you, girl? Like, what, what's going on here? Like, you pushed her, didn't you? Like, I mean, just that whole thing. I'm just like, you know what? You tell her, Molly. And that's also where you have, like, the literal... Because, um, again, she leaves or whatever. And then you just have that close-up of Nomi's face. Um, and it's yeah. like... The,
2: I, <laughs> I, want I it evil.
0: It's so evil and crazy. And I'm just like, okay. But that whole scene to me, I'm just like... All right, like that's a nice dramatic moment. I appreciate that. That's that's good. Gina Rivera, you did that thing. Good for you. I, I appreciate that.
1: I also um, really love I love the final scene between Nomi and Crystal, Crystal in the hotel room. The, the, hotel the, the, room. the, the hospital
2: room. Hotel the hotel hospital
1: room. <laughs> <laughs> The Hospital Room. Which it's dressed to look like a hotel room with all those flowers. Literally. Um, but just again, Gina Gershon knows what movie she's in. It's mm-hmm. the like why don't you come over here and give Give me a big kiss kiss.
2: just like it's i got a real nice settlement settlement. it's it's, (laughs) oh my god yeah i think that
1: is the perfect way to wrap up the movie it's closing Mm -hmm. that loop yeah of the ingenue taking over for
2: she puts on the cowboy hat bye darling Mm -hmm.
1: but it also ushers the way for nomi to go on to live her life and i think that the movie wraps up very nicely in that sense between the crystal Mm -hmm. and Nomi storyline. Which I think if they would have stuck to just the crystal Nomi storyline throughout this entire movie, I think it would have been a whole different outcome.
0: I think so too. I think if they just had that, because then it really could be like this all about Eve story, like really, you know, and, and whatever, even though, again, it's not a remake of it, but still I'm like, you could get into that. And that's very interesting. It even harkens back to, well, I don't actually know this, but like, again isn't the whole thing with basic instinct like what is it sharon stone's a lesbian and she's a murderer or whatever but like doesn't she have some sort of psychosexual shit with some other woman like i don't know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean yeah i mean this movie is just like do do we have any closing remarks on showgirls before we wrap all of it up though like anything that you want to uh tell the the general public of gays that might be listening to this (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: um (laughs) If you have never seen Showgirls and are listening to this podcast, it's too late to say it now, but you should pause it, watch it first, and come back and listen. But I feel like this movie is best seen and understood cold. Go in with no information. You might have heard about it, but because it lets you kind of create your own thoughts about it and how ridiculous it is and finding your own thoughts and enjoying the movie from that cult perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like
1: I rewatched it when I first revisited it back in like 2015, 2016, because I heard it was a cult movie and I saw it on the H1. Didn't really mm-hmm. remember it, but then rewatched it and just had a good time. Despite all the scenes that we skip and despite the ridiculousness
2: of this movie, it is a wild ride and you you can't beat it it might not be good but it is entertaining it is so entertaining to watch like Mm it it's just a wild like brian said like a wild ride from from beginning to end and um yeah if you haven't seen showgirls at this point i mean why are you listening to this podcast if you haven't yeah why are you listening to any of
1: this really (laughs) like but um if
2: you you got to the end and you're about to watch it
1: buckle up up i know right if if you just listened to all this and you didn't
0: listen to anything we just said, like please just watch, um, yeah, no, I do think like you know, if anything, I think this is a movie that, in a weird way, can be analyzed to death um because uh-huh. even though again, there's not a whole lot of subtext to this movie. I don't think uh intentionally, really, but it is something that can be analyzed in a way that people can do, and I do think it is an interesting conversation on camp as well, um. Because I think there is that element to this, because I was thinking about this too. Like, how do you make a movie? <laughs> not that it's gonna be the same thing, hopefully, but like the Barbie movie that's coming out this month that we're recording. Mm-hmm. I know, right? But like, how do you? I'm just hoping that that movie's like super fucking campy. Cause how else do you make a live action Barbie movie without it being campy as shit, right? So, like, it looks like it's gonna be. Yeah, exactly, right. So, like, but with showgirls, like, how do you make a movie that is about showgirls, like these Vegas showgirls, you know, all this and not make it like somewhat campy? Like there must be a little bit in there because it's like how do you make this, right? Uh, about like strippers and like people who work in this industry, but again, I think most of this is kind of an intentional camp. But I think there's about a little bit in there where it's like, yeah, we knew a little bit what we're doing because how the fuck could we not, you know what I mean? Um, But yeah, I I think there are conversations to be had with that and just why this movie doesn't work as a whole, what happened with it and everything. But yeah, yeah, no, totally. I I think. And, um, and also talking about how (laughs) specifically, because we're both three, you know, we're three gay men here, but like, you know, why the LGBT community took this on and we're shepherding it almost 30 <laughs> years later at this point.
2: Uh, but there is some stuff of why that is. Yeah. There's just something and, about it that just connect like it just connects. Yeah.
0: I think so too. And, and again, it, it comes back to what you were saying of like this outsider is just trying, she ends up getting what she wants, really. Mm-hmm. And that's great. And isn't that what really anybody would want but i think specifically we are uh as gay people we are uh attracted to tragic heroines tragic yeah. anti-heroes whatever you want to call it um so yeah i definitely think there's that but you guys this has been a wonderful conversation i'm so glad to have had it and um Dude, i'm still thinking
2: indulging uh, my showgirls oh my profession. god it's been so exciting yes. <laughs>
0: (laughs) yes I'm actually thinking a little bit too I want to have I had you guys on and I think I might want to try and get somebody else's perspective on this too as well to add into this Yeah, Um, showgirls
1: too electric boogaloo that
0: that too are just like (laughs) I was talking to Jackson Cooper about this because we just recorded not too long ago we were like it's gonna be a symposium of showgirls right Um, I would love to have that because I think like you two have your own kind of thoughts on it as well I'd also just like to also so maybe here as long with this episode to be like
2: what other people think of it and I don't know it'd be interesting but I've always again... wanted to do that I think that'd be really cool at, Like to get a bunch of gays <laughs> together to talk about showgirls or whatever else is on your agenda because like how yeah, often is right? the opportunity to talk to people who love film the way that we do. Anyway. I
0: know, right? Yeah. No, we should do that. And I don't know. It might be a symposium. Who knows? But no, yeah. we're going to think of that. But anyway, so do, if you would like, you can plug your social medias here if anybody, you want anybody to stalk you or whatever. Um, so please do so if you'd like.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, if anyone's curious about my, my life you can follow me on instagram it's at donovan jm d-o-n-o-v-a-n-j-m uh i'm good <laughs> <laughs> that's fine i don't totally want bad. anyone to follow him follow, <laughs> follow me yeah
0: yeah follow him and then because I, I actually follow both of you on instagram and i always like some of the little stuff you put on um I will say, Brian, when I'm following your page, uh, some of the, the memes that you share are pretty fire. I yes. do like during
1: <laughs> during the pandemic, I became a, a meme queen and I made that my whole personality on Instagram. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's I love that for you. And there are some good ones. Um I particularly like how you are just like the surprise Pikachu at all given moments at time. Um <laughs> I appreciate that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but thank you all so much for coming on the show. And I'd love to have you guys back if you ever want
2: to. Um, And thanks so much. Thank you. Anytime.
0: As always if you'd like to get in touch with me you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com if you'd like to give any movie recommendations give feedback on the show or if you'd just like to say hey I'm open to all of it you can also follow the show on Instagram at cultcinemacircle and on Twitter at cultcinemacircle. I tend to announce the movies that I'm going to be covering and just interact with people on there if they want. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at jesse j-e-s-s-e kremp k-r-e-m-p all one word. On that platform I tend to log the movies that I watch I write little stupid reviews about them and just general foolishness over there be sure to rate comment and subscribe to the cult cinema circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice whether that be apple podcasts google podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts I'm pretty much on all of them be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review about the show uh, so we can grow the audience and then just spread the love all around be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, where I'll be covering 1987's Dirty Dancing. Expecting the usual tedium that accompanies the summer in the Catskills with her family, 17-year-old Frances, baby, Houseman is surprised to find herself stepping into the shoes of a professional hoofer, and unexpectedly falling in love. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, and remember... There's always someone younger and hungrier coming down the stairs after you.
1: Take care. Bye.